You need a little bit of nasty, don't you? They're the little battles you need to win if Munster wanted to win this game. He lives and breathes line-out. How do they pick themselves up from this? The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Now then, you're very welcome back. So we are turning to Hurling because the Championship kicks off with a bang this weekend. And to that end, we have drafted in Eddie Brennan. You're there, Eddie. Good evening, Joe. How are you? There you go. I was worried for a moment. You're very welcome. We have Dennis Walsh of the Sunday Times. Hey, Dennis, how you doing? Hi, Joe. How are things? Very well. And Mr. Jamie Wall is there as well. Hey, Jamie. Joe, how are you? Very well. How are you? This is what I wanted, Jamie. Champions League evening, knockout stages. Forget all that. We've got three solid hurling men here. Wouldn't even You wouldn't even dream of turning on TV and watching that stuff. It's, uh, it's it's definitely not over my left shoulder there. Uh, nil all, Man City, Atletico, six minutes, 50 seconds gone. Yeah, definitely not. So uh, hurling is very much upon us now. And I suppose that is a talking point in itself, Dennis. We are starting here on April the 16th. This will be done and dusted by July 17th. So in effect, uh, six weeks ahead of the usual finale in September, which has kind of been the month since about the 1920s. The duration, interestingly, is about the same as it was, for instance, in 2019, about 13 weeks of, I suppose, if you want to call it a promotional value and being on the uh, airwaves and on the television. But there is certainly, even looking at a few texts in this evening when we mentioned you guys were coming on, there is certainly uh, uncertainty over the July 17th All-Ireland final decision. Where are you on it? Yeah, um, I'm kind of conflicted about it, Joe, to be honest. I mean, I can see it from both sides. Um, Anybody who's ever been involved at club level will know the kind of disruption that inter-county stuff can cause. And um, I was lucky enough to be chair of my own club for three years. And, you know, when Cork were gone, OK, and we would have had guys involved. And, you know, the club players would have been tormented, really not knowing when their second round, third round was. And could they go away? Could they go on holiday? Could they go to, you know, to weddings or whatever? So there was that uncertainty and that kind of instability for club players, which was unsatisfactory and I mean this is why we are where we are Joe because the GA um, over the years failed to produce failed to deliver an integrated fixture list and you know the reason why was you know county boards around the country um, refused to kind of or, or refused or were unable or felt unable to take on in, their own inter-county managers and uh, push through fixtures that were uh, uncomfortable for the county managers and um Coe Park would always say it's up to the clubs. The clubs are the county board, not the executive. But in, in reality, that's not how it works. So um, the reason why the split season came in, obviously, was because of the pandemic. Uh, that was that was the kind of um, that was where it's the, the, the kind of split season was given a run and it seemed to work. But it's not the ideal solution, I don't believe. Um, but every other solution that, that they tried over the years failed, uh, partly because, mostly because of a failure of implementation at local level. I mean, there was a club month, if you remember, around the same of the year. Never, it, it, it failed to work in most places. So, so we are where we are. I mean, an all-earned final, Joe, in July, July 17th. I mean, there's so much goes on in sport in July. August, really, I mean, well, everybody all-earned finals in September. August is the month where the GA really had uh, the pitch to themselves. I mean, when you think of all the other major sports, you know, the rugby tours, the summer tours are over. The Premier League is only getting going in the middle of end of August. August was when there was all our three finals, huge weekends in Croke Park. That's when the GA had to pitch themselves and that's what they're throwing away, really. Jamie, there's a text in 
on 53106. An All-Ireland final in the middle of July is beyond crazy. I'm a club player who just wanted certainty. I'm also a supporter of my county. The solution wasn't playing off the championship as quickly as possible. Where are you in all this? Probably somewhere in the middle. Similar to Dennis, I, I think probably, first of all, like, like a, broadly in favour of of the split season. like, And I think anyone, like Dennis said, anyone ever involved at club level knows that like, make the two working together, especially the way the club demands have gone, is just a non-runner because like club, like club, club teams now are preparing to such a level that like, um, it would be kind of ridiculous to ask them to prepare basically for most of the year um, or for, you know, for the two weeks before their biggest game and then draft their best player in 90% of instances in at kind of a week's notice, try fit him into probably centre-back or centre-forward, your entire game plan is based around him. Um, so, like, I do, I am in favour of the split season in that sense. I do think we possibly squeezed it a little too much. Um, you know, maybe, you know, like, as in, like, it didn't, like, I'm certainly not in favour of September, but equally, did it have to be the middle of July? Um, like could it have been the August Bank Holiday weekend like would that have been is there enough there like you know to get it right but like I suppose like like, like Dennis said like, like we're here because of a failure over the last you know 20 years and this has gotten worse every single year and I empathise with the texture there saying that they're a club player but equally they support their county but like I can only say you know from my time as a club player um, like I remember 2013 the year Cork got to the All-Ireland Final and um, like we were like we were playing championship and not knowing whether we were going to be playing a week later or whether we were going to be playing four weeks later and then Cork draw with Clare and we realise we still don't know when we're going to be playing. So like things like that are, you know, I, I, I do empathise that, you know, all the club player wanted was was certainty, but they didn't want it to be over so quickly. But I suppose like you can't eat your cake and have it too. You kind of have to like at some point the people making decisions have to set a date and a date that works because especially if we're going to have provincial club championships all Ireland club championships if they're trying to commit to to this calendar year that they, that they have kind of decided they think is a priority so like it's a very tough one I think um, I understand I suppose I think now is probably not the, the time really for the chat I think I think we should play it out I think sometimes we're very much you know we saw this with the football uh, with the football kind of coverage with the coverage around possibly changing the football season there was so much talk about what was wrong with the proposal that we never actually got to playing it out, seeing what was right with it, and then saying, right, these elements worked well, let's keep them, let's move on now and, and kind of tweak it. You know, I think, like, that's kind of, it's a big failing of, I suppose, the GA and that, like, we have this very bureaucratic system and things have to go to these congresses that takes 12 months to get something fixed and then it doesn't come in for 24 months and then everyone gives out for 36 months and then something gets changed and we start the cycle all over again, you know. So, like, I, I can see both sides, but I certainly think from a club perspective point of view that, that you know, the integrated fixture list is just, it's an on-runner, but I certainly would like to see maybe, maybe just see how this year goes and say, yeah, maybe we push everything back an extra two weeks, you know, do we need league semi-finals? I know they were decent occasions this year, like, but do we need league semi-finals? Do we need things like that? You know, they're the kind of places where I would make the, we'll say, where I would make the the cuts, we'll say, and maybe start the league a little later so that the championship finishes a little later and give that breathing window at the other end of the calendar um, for finishing off club championships, so like, you know, the All-Ireland Club Championships, the Munster and Leinster Club Championships and Connacht and Ulster, that they can run into next year you know, so that you're not totally bound by this calendar year thing and that that's where to get the extra bit of time and that you get that extra two, three weeks then at the start of August, you know, first, second week of August. 
Yeah, I give you final word on it, Eddie. Yeah, look, Joe, I suppose myself and yourself discussed this maybe briefly on two occasions, and I said I was kind of going to hold my fire on it uh, until we kind of run through it. But just I just had a quick browse through the fixtures and will say as of the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of May, there are two teams finished in Munster and three in Leinster. So my question is, will their local club championship, be it run on a league base or whatever it is, will that roll into town over the next three weeks? Will they have meaningful matches? And I just suppose I'm speaking from just two points and I stand to be corrected on one of them, but I, I understand that the Kenny County final is fixed for the October Bank Holiday weekend. So in a situation where Kenny were perhaps finished that weekend or go to a quarter final, we'll say the 4th of June or thereabouts, you know, that's nearly six months before you hit a county final. So you're going to ask the question, are the county lads who are after putting in a massive effort? And again, the club lads wait for meaningful matches, you know. And again, we're talking about Kilkenny, which uh, wrongly or rightly is not complicated by football. So we have a straightforward system. And, and I remember a quick conversation I had in 2013 when, when Cork beat Kilkenny. And I would have, you know, I would have, I suppose, voiced my opinion to the, the then chairman said look can we roll with the championship now get going with the rounds of league and the reply was look lads are going playing in america maybe or there's summer holidays for families that are waiting and that's we we get all that so there's a lot of things that that hold it back but that same year kenny were finished in july and clara then won the county final in kenny and they had to play Owlart six days after they won the county final which they hadn't won in a long time so there's a lot of elements at play like will counties roll in with it quickly enough so there's a lot to consider, but again, just having looked at it for the last couple of the days and even the last time I was speaking to you, yeah. uh, again, I'm waiting to see, but I definitely, I, I, I would prefer to see the All-Ireland final played a little bit later. Uh, fair enough, the All-Ireland champions are going to have a right good uh, tail end to the summer, not like, you know, like maybe unseen before. But um, yeah, it's it's something that's a concern now, and I think there's, there's gathering momentum, definitely. There's a little bit of grumbling about how quickly it's all run off. Mm. Yeah, I think... I think... Go on, Dennis. Joe, just yeah. if, if I may, on that point that Eddie made there, it's a very good point because um, a few years ago, uh, before the split season came in, there were a, a few counties who were, there was one year when Tipperary were, were out in early June in, in Munster. They just, they just had a very, I think it was Michael Ryan's last year, actually. So even though they were out in early June, the clubs in Tip didn't want to play a championship in July or August, or, you know, for June, July, because they had players away for the summer, like lads on J1 students or whatever. Now, we've had two years probably have no J1s. So I imagine this summer is going to be a massive summer for J1s for, for lads going away. I was talking to Noel Lane last week along Galway. Um, in his club, they already know four or five of their of their Holland team that are going away. So, you know, the clubs in, uh, I believe the clubs in, in Dublin have already been told, or they were given a fixture list for the year and they were told it's going to be a break from the end of July to the end of August. So, there's a four-week break where there's no club championship games going to happen in, in Dublin. So, like I, I can imagine other counties doing doing something similar. And even though the summer, in theory, is there for the clubs, a lot of county boards and a lot of clubs won't necessarily want to play in June and July because players will be away. Yeah, I heard Brian Lowen making that point during the league when he was making the the, the point that things are too condensed. He was saying, "Well, look in Clare anyway. Even though we had we were out early, it, no club action actually happened for a lot of the summer anyway." There's you know, it's like the county boards are still wedded to the old traditional time slot. Yeah, well, I mean, if there's, uh, Eddie mentioned the Cody final in Kilkenny in, in October, Eddie, is it? October back on the weekend? Yeah, that's and, what we're provisionally fixed for, I think. Yeah, 
and that's the that's been the date for the, for the Dublin finals for the last few years. Mm. Uh, both finals are they kind of a Sunday Monday is is, is has been their uh, routine in recent years. In, in October, so whether those finals come forward, I don't know. But it seems to me that um, even though this time is being created for club players and for club and for club championships in the height of summer, I'm not sure how much mm. how much of it. But, it, but even on that, Dennis, sorry if I jump in again there, Joe. Briefly, sorry. No, do lads, jump in, jump in away. That's great. Go on. Yeah, like I, I would say, right, and again, it's easy talk because we don't know the the, the headaches that that fixtures committees have, and it is not simple and straightforward. However, I would like to think that there are one or two provisional or plan A's and plan B. So if, for talk's sake, my own county were to be finished the 21st and 22nd of May, are we going to roll into club championship three weeks later, whereby, you know, you have your five round matches. If they go a little bit further, are we, you know, are we going to get it? So so when is that going to roll in that at least there's a level of certainty? And I think if if that's the case, if you can put up, you know, are we are we progressive enough in these, in, in boards like that to say, to try to give people a little bit of heads up for, for club managers. And again, the vast majority, over 90% of our club players, our players are playing at club level. So we have to cater for everybody. And obviously bring in the holidays, you could open up a two-week window. But I definitely believe there should be a default that if the county is finished up or they get dumped out of the championship on such and such a week, a quarterfinal week, well, three weeks later, we're rolling with round one and of the league Eddie, or whatever. Eddie, will you have the clubs grumbling then and the manager saying, well, hang on, I can't prepare a team that way. We're in the, you know, we're trying to peak physically. And so suddenly it's, you know, depending on how good Kenny go at the weekend, I either have to be ready or I don't have to go for another six weeks. That's not good enough for me. You'll always have the yeah. grumbling, won't you? Yeah, there is, there is. And there will, and I absolutely understand that completely because you're, you're on standby. But I think if you have, if you're being fed that information with, you know, with some degree saying, well, look, if that doesn't happen, so therefore, maybe two weeks in advance of that, three weeks, so you're saying in a five-week block, we start really up in the ante. And if the team progress, okay, we might have to scale it back. And that's not straightforward. I know I'm sure there'll be plenty of people shout at the radio when they're hearing that. But at least you have something to work with. Or else, whatever it is, if it's a four- or five-week window, so be it, and, and allow teams to do their challenge matches. And also, look, the county players, a little bit of come down. But I guarantee you... Uh, mm. Most county players, if they're dumped out of the championship, they'll want to get back in the saddle straight away. They'll love nothing more, I think, than going back to their club and, you know, get a bit of downtime. They'll still get their, their summer holiday maybe that they, they wouldn't have expected to get and they'll gladly take that. But a week off for them, they're they're in good shape. They'll blend in very quickly with their club mates. And um, can I ask, uh, Jamie, for instance, would you, you might have a sense of, of various counties are certainly your own. Are there uh, pockets in the summer which are now marked as 100% you're not going to have games in this two or three week period. You can go away on your family holiday. We're not going to screw you over last minute here. Not as such, not in Cork anyway. Like I, I do, I actually have been dying to jump in there because what I really wanted to say was, I think the, the solution re- resolves in kind of club PA players and club people putting more of a, a value on leagues. And I think in Kerry, they have a very, they do put that value on the county league and I think in Cork, we have our schedule brings us up to two weeks before the last weekend of July. So I'm just looking at the calendar here. If we make a league final, it's on the weekend of a potential All-Ireland final. So like we do have meaningful, or what I would class as meaningful club games uh, in terms of league games throughout the entire summer. And well, I suppose for me, like I know Eddie, Eddie is talking about meaningful games as, as being championship games. But I suppose we have to, if we want... You know, as club people would say, on the other side of it, want to have meaningful games that have a guaranteed certainty 
we have to say, right, we have our league structure. It brings us up to two, three weeks before our championship structure. And we play that off throughout the entire summer. And it has a value in its own right. And we're not trying to bring championships up and do them earlier if our county is knocked out because I think that's the uncertainty that we're trying to get rid of. So, and like, and then the other thing is then, Joe, like in terms of those blocks where you have certainty of we're not going to be playing a championship game, you, you have that as such because you've got league fixtures that bring you up to a certain date. And, and, and you know, if a player misses a league game, they miss a league game. That's that's the sacrifice that's kind of decided as as worthwhile for that holiday or that you know that trip away or whatever it is. So like I think I think the solution is actually in putting more value in that kind of definite league structure that leads into a championship structure that is viable no matter when your county is knocked out. Mm. Yeah, we could go around in circles on this all evening. Uh, uh, one texter says, I can't help feeling the clubs won't benefit at all when every Johnny County man goes off to America now for their free summer, which is a text into 53106. Dennis, I suppose with the, with the view to the... <laughs> Jamie, you just said, let's stop all the moaning. We've done a good 20 minutes moaning there. So that's, this, is, this is top, top uh, GA coverage. Right what we should be doing. Uh, I suppose the headline news, Dennis, is that the Red Robin is very much back for the first time since... 2019 and, and COVID. So uh, five Munster counties, six in Leinster, uh, top two in the final will qualify and the third best team as well into a quarter final. I think everybody is in general agreement, Dennis. This has been a fantastic addition to the championship and it's nice to have it back. And, and this, you know, OK, it's a little earlier in the year, but it does make for a fairly mouthwatering couple of weeks here. Oh, it does. Absolutely, Joe. And I mean, if, it, if you look back, there's been so few times actually in the history of the game where this system would have worked because like Munster for decades was lopsided and Leinster the same and you know there was plenty of seasons when um, they would have been you know one side of, one side of games in those championships back in the knockout days the kind of straight knockout days and you know certainly I mean at the moment I, I would say that there's nine teams who could potentially beat each other on, on any given day and that's as much that's that's more than Hurling ever had really and um, so it's, it's the perfect system for the kind of teams that Hurling has at the moment and for the equality of standards that are there and I mean, as you say, like the, the games at the weekend are just, you know, they're savage matches. I mean, um, for anybody who's who can't even get to the games, you know, there's you have Wexford and, and Gobby on on, on 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 Sky on Saturday, and you got the two games on RT on Sunday uh, in Munster. Fantastic matches, all of them, and um, and you know, like there's there's kind of uh, the one thing. I mean, you might you, you you can make these. I mean, there's there's clear flavours to qualify from each province, but one of the patterns of the round robin for the first couple of years was how many. Um, surprises there were, and how many sh- and how many shocks there were along the way, and I think the home, the home and away element promotes that kind of uncertainty and that kind of you know excitement. So, look, I was talking to first someone this morning who says that there's thirty seven thousand tickets already sold for Cork Limerick on Sunday, which is the biggest mm-hmm. crowd, which is the biggest crowd in the new park since the new park opened. Then the previous record I think was thirty four and a half thousand for Cork Limerick on a Saturday night run robin a brilliant game in twenty eighteen. So it looks like Parky Keeve is going to be close up to almost a full house on Sunday, which is you know terrific for for a game in the middle of April when we were all kind of wondering for the last few weeks or months would people really be be tuned in for the middle of April? Yeah, oh, these are Red Sheeran numbers. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, the other thing with the uh, the um, Ren Robin. So this time around, there'll be no three weeks in a row for any team. Because that was one of the, you know, and and again, that's if we're talking revolution versus tweaking, that's a nice, clever tweak and that will mm. improve matters, I think. Yeah. I mean, Eddie, I, I vividly remember 
Kilkenny on the home and away point going to Parnell Park under Pat Gilroy might have been Gilroy's first year in charge really sunny bacon day and like a real proper match and I think Kilkenny pulled it out of the fire at the end but Parnell Park tight pitch Dubs enjoying home advantage that was one of the early days and I jeez remember thinking there's really something in this this is the way to go so it's great to have it back Oh absolutely yeah I'd, 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 I'd agree with Dennis I think when you have that type of crowd uh, filling stadiums at you know Easter weekend sure you know from a hurling perspective you know we've been we've been feasting on this for the last couple of weeks with you know with a, with with a good league and and very little time and we're straight into it and I think it, it would have you kind of excited because sometimes usually around Easter time it's it's only when the clocks go back that training starts going a bit later but you know we have championship matches um and the one I've spoken about before I I'd love a Friday night match I think it would be just a real novel factor but look uh, we're not going to split hairs in that. I think there's there's some exciting matches the weekend. And um, going back to that match, I remember you know watching that distinctly. And I think if I'm right, you know Conal Keeney gave one of the mighty displays and I think dislocated his shoulder at the end. And yeah, uh, I remember towards the end of that match actually, Owen um, Murphy went short to Parig Welsh when Kenny were a point up, and he fumbled the ball for a second with two Dublin uh, forwards bearing down him, and they just worked it out. And it's just something that at the time I remember saying, Jesus, said, Brian Cody will uh, will uh, lose whatever little bit of hair he has left when he saw something like that happening so deep in the match. But it just added to the occasion and it just added to to, to what maybe Kilkenny were trying to do back then. And, uh, you know, I finished with a point, but it was a cracking game. And as you said there, I think the Saturday evening there, most of the Leinster, I see all the Leinster ones are fixed for Saturdays uh, with maybe an odd monster one there, but... Just looking at the fixtures, there's some brilliant ones there. And, and even one that I think is, uh, maybe, I, I'm, I hope I'm reading this right, but there's an odd fixture on, on the 8th of May where I think Limerick are playing tip. I mean, that could be curtains for one of those teams. You know, it's, it's, that, there's so much at stake looking at that match. You just, and that's what really um, has made this round robin what it is. And yes, we said, look, some poor t- a couple of teams are going to going to be sore at the end of this, and and their summer is short. But I think from a from a perspective of hurling people, this is just absolutely brilliant. And like Dennis said, there, the unpredictability, the home and away, it just adds to a, a great sense of atmosphere at all those matches. Well, I want to pick your brains on some of those teams and some specifics. So we'll take a very short break. Eddie Brennan, Jamie Wall, Dennis Walsh, staying with us. Back in one sec. We are chatting hurling with Eddie Brennan, Jamie Wall, and Dennis Walsh of the Sunday Times. So. Uh, we, we chat a big picture. Let's t- get into some of the teams and what to expect on the pitch. So Eddie and I spoke a few weeks back about Waterford and their propensity for goals and their willingness to go for goals. And Dennis, you wrote a fantastic piece in the Times about uh, goal trends in the championship. So I might, I might put it to you, Jamie, and you can give us your thoughts. So to take Dennis's piece, for instance... Uh, 2016, there were no goals in the league final, for instance. Cork and Tipperary played. There was no goal produced uh, for the first time in 115 years of Cork-Tipperary games. And there were below 2.5 goals per game, which was only the second time that had happened in the Hurling Championship. And then he mentioned 2017, where Galway won the All-Ireland with no goal in their last four games of the Championship. So five hours of All-Ireland winning Hurling with no goals. And then uh, Limerick, uh, became the seventh team to win a final, sorry, the sixth team to win a final without a goal in the final. And in 2020, uh, Limerick became the seventh. So, sorry, Galway were the sixth in their All-Ireland final to win a final without a goal. And then Limerick just the seventh in history to win without a goal. So the basic point being, we were looking at Hurling and thinking, God, our goal's becoming slightly more 
optional. And now uh, last year we jumped up back up to three and a half goals per game, the highest in nearly a decade. And like I said, Waterford maybe leading the charge are uh, trying to put goals back on the map again. That's been one of the big changes, it feels like, in a, in a general uh, way in the game over the last while. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, you've, you've, mapped, you've actually mapped it out quite well there in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of progression of it, Joe. Like where, I suppose, if you think back to 2016 or so, you know, I suppose we were we were right in the middle of the kind of the era of the, the sweeper or the seventh defender or whatever you want to call it, really, whatever term was given to it. But I suppose a natural consequence of that kind of pack defence if teams got much better at picking teams off from distance and Galway showed that and then obviously Limerick were the masters of it like I think they scored 31 points in a game in that championship in 2020 in one of them you know um, and I suppose so that's the natural evolution there and then I suppose what happens is you play the likes of Limerick you say okay we can't keep giving them shots from distance you start pushing up and then you start giving up goal chances and I suppose like it's just everyone's kind of always following the latest trend and you know where you're trying to pick a team off a team would then pushes up because they say we're not going to let them pick us off and that's how you end up with goal chances and a greater kind of team goals but that's kind of the the cycle of it and I do think there's also something in I think you know with the, if you think about you know the great teams gone by and Eddie being probably the best position to answer this but um having been on on one like on, on one of the on one of the great teams, like Tip had to find a way to beat that Kilkenny team. And and they decided the way that they were going to go about it was to try to move their backline around and create goal chances in space. And I think Limerick, you know, have shown in the last couple of years that they're coming as one of those great teams. And Waterford under Cal have obviously decided you need thirty something points to beat them in a game. If you score three, four goals that's nine to twelve of those points, and I think that's uh, I think it's been a very kind of uh, economics based approach, we'd say. So um, I think that's kind of that's kind of the way it has evolved, and I think that point has evolved that way. Like you look at Waterford, they are the the, the challenger, we'll say. You know, um, I know Derek had some comments that Liam Cal, Derek Brad had some comments that Liam Cal might thank him for, but where he put a bit of a bullseye in Waterford's back. But they are still the the kind of the challenger coming at the at the top dog and. They've, they've quite likely identified that they're going to need to score between two and four goals if they want to beat Limerick. So I think that's been a really definite kind of um, thing in their play that you can actually point out and say that it's very, very obvious that that's what they're trying to do. And I think it's a natural progression on, on the way the game has gone in the last couple of years. Dennis, where are Limerick? So we're going we're gonna to find out very shortly Cork away and then Waterford at home. Like what a nice sharp start to their championship. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, you mentioned earlier on, Joe, about there being no more three, three week, um, you know, three week fixture congestion issues. But Limerick and Waterford play each other six days after their opening game. So that's the two best teams in the country, arguably, playing each other um, in a game that will definitely matter. Like, there's no question about that. And you would have said that Limerick and Waterford had the two, had the deepest squads um, in the country. But for, I think, probably the first time under John Coyley's management, they have a bit of an injury, not crisis, but they certainly have injury issues. Um, Seamus Flanagan looks like he's out for weekend. Peter Casey's out for the season. They were two of their best players last year, outstanding players. Um, there's Kyle Hayes is a serious doubt by all accounts. Keane Lynch is carrying something. No, they do have a squad, obviously, to to replace all these guys. But some of the guys that they that they use off the bench, uh, 
they don't seem comfortable using them as starters. So people like Pat Ryan has been a regular off the bench, but not a regular starter. David Reedy has, has, has had a few more starts, but those guys have worn the same jerseys in three All-Ireland finals. I think it's number 24, number, two, or number 25, number 26. So they've been around for years. They're very experienced, but they're not guys that Limerick uh, tend to start. So um, they're going to end up using players that uh, over the years, over recent years, they've been using as impact subs. And that's been another factor with Limerick, as, as we know, for the last few years. They've, they've got a jump, uh, a real bounce from their bench. So it'll be interesting to see what team actually turns up, uh, what players are fit, who, who runs out. But um, yeah, like uh, they have the squad, you'd imagine, to, to cope with that. Mm. Eddie, who are your three to come out of Munster and why? Um, I went for Limerick, Cork and Waterford. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's something in me telling me that if there was to be a bolter in Munster, it could well be the Banner Boys. Um, I, I think there's something happening under Brian Lowen down there. But I'm not sure have they the artillery to, to supplement Tony Kelly up front. Um, they have a very high work ethic. I think in Cleary at full back, they have solved that problem there. He is a real stopper in the shape and mould of his manager. Um, and I think, but I just think that the quality is probably not there. Tip at the moment for me, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they're only, I think it's four points is the handicap on, on, on Sunday, which is still, I think the bookies are still quite wary of tip and rightly so because you just don't know. But I think the big blow there for me or, and maybe the one that's going to give Watford, you know, a lot of confidence is that Shane McCallum is, 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 is not going to play on, on the weekend. And that's, he's a huge loss. They needed him. They've, they've lost serious, serious guys, leaders in the dressing room. So, I think for me, that's the that's the three the two guys that I think it's it's Limerick and or Tip and Clare that look to be the ones that are the outsiders in Munster. But a draw or two this weekend could really turn Munster into an absolute battle zone, and that's what will keep everyone in it. Whereas what you what you possibly don't want is that someone you know gets their three wins under their belt on their first three matches. Now you have a team potentially you know going into the last match knowing their their home and hose. So what do they do? So there's there's all sorts of things and and while we're we're trying to pick the lottery numbers here as mm. what's going to happen to Munster, it could all go out the window the weekend. Yeah. If we move to Leinster before clock really comes against us, then I mean everybody probably already looking forward to Kilkenny Galway on the first of May in Galway. That's in round three. On a Shefflin and Galway, then Dennis, what's your sense of what he's tried to do with this team? What's your sense of, of what he's got to work with here and what are we expecting from Galway who maybe, you know, if, if things click have the potential to be a bit of a boulder this year? Yeah, well, I mean, if you go back, if you rewind 12 months, Joe, this time last year, there were seven guys on the Galway uh, panel who were over 30 and each of those seven players were either on the team or close to the team. So they were the oldest team in the championship last year, effectively. Um, now, all those guys were well-known players and great players, you know, over the years and so on. But, Galway, Galway had uh, a real kind of an issue with regeneration that, that that Henry had to take on, and you know it's been a tricky league from that point of view trying to get players in. I think I I think no no other team I, I saw the figure somewhere I can I can't quote the numbers now exactly, but no other team uses as many players in the league as Galway did. So they were trying a lot of guys, and I, look, it's it's not a one year project. I'm sure for Henry, this is a two or three year thing. I don't expect them to be the finished product this year, um, but like that had to be addressed. They couldn't go on with as many players in their 30s so close to the team as they had this time last year. So, look, they're, they're trying to replace Joe Canning, you know, for God's sake. You know, so they, they have 
they're trying to they're trying to score more goals. I mean, goals are, goals are still an issue for Galway. So Leinster is not quite as as cutthroat as Munster. There are six teams, two of whom are probably off the pace. So there's it's it's three spots between four teams. No, the last time we did on Robin, it went down in Leinster. It went down to the very last puck of the ball with four teams on the same on the same amount of points, and it was scoring difference, which by which Galway were locked out. So it could be as close as that again. How do you see Leinster, Jamie? Yeah, similar to Dennis, I think it's um, like you said, it's four for three slots, and. I don't think there's that much between the four of them. Unfortunately, I, I probably do think that Munster are generally ahead of, of the four of them. more. Like, so it, it's almost like, in its own right, the Leinster Championship is going to be very exciting. But I wonder, like, like I think we're going to have three Munster teams in the semi-finals, and I think we're going to have two in the final. If, you know, that's just kind of the way I see it at the moment. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm quite looking forward to Wexford Galway at the weekend, though, because just kind of, because of the performance of Wexford in that league semi-final and how how kind of at odds it was with an otherwise really good league campaign, it kind of um, it just throws into focus. Kind of like you just have to wonder like where really where really are they? I suppose, and that's a real question for a lot of people coming out of the league. Um, because you know there was there wasn't really much jeopardy in the league. There was kind of all the established teams knew we're going to be fine here. We're not going to get relegated. So, you know, there's a lot of teams kind of in the last couple of weeks, Limerick as well, you know, teams are quite quiet and and you're kind of looking ahead to this weekend saying there could be a real explosion here. So, so like, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Wexford's response from that Waterford kind of drubbing is going to be. Is it going to be a case of that drubbing has really damaged them? Or is it going to be a case of that was a real kick that was needed and it came at the right time rather than four weeks later against Galway? Yeah. On uh, Kilkenny, then, I mean, if you like, on the face of it, a, a lot of really good results here over the last number of years. Eddie won the league in 2018 for what's that worth, whatever that is worth, which is certainly not nothing. And then the win over Limerick in the semi final of 19 was, in some respects, Cody's finest hour. And then 2020 semi final against Waterford and that kind of epic wild night. And then semi final defeat last year after extra time. Is the sense with Kilkenny that Cody is. Uh, building something very new and very promising here or is the sense that he's almost squeezing every last drop out of whatever of the old guard are left? Yeah, it, it, it's maybe a little bit of both but I think there's there's very much, you know, Killian Buckley has has got a new role and, and I think he's doing really well at it. But obviously, you know, the fitness of TJ Reid is still and, and having him there is obviously massive, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I think you need, you know, for me, you need a couple of guys to step up and have that all-star season. Um, I think we have a couple of forwards. I think going Cody for me is the real deal. I think he's a class act. Um, but again, you know, you need Adrian Mullins' form to, to really rise. Uh, I think there's other guys there. Billy Ryan from my own club is, is in real good vein of form. You know, Parik Welsh, where do they put him? So there's lots to be positive. They've, they've definitely evolved. They've definitely shown they can play, you know, the ball through the lines. Blanchfield has been a major find. You know, Mikey Butler is solid there. So, he has a lot of things to be very positive about going into the championship. But I suppose the, the, the question mark then comes back to us when, when the pressure came on a little bit there against Cork and Cork threw down a different type of challenge him in the second half. They just found, they just struggled around the 45 midfield to get their hands on the ball, to open up the Cork backs and that type of thing. So I think that to me is probably the, the question mark that remains over Kenny. They're, 
in-game awareness, their in-game, you know, tactical change, maybe mid-match that they can, you know, change it up on the fields, you know, stop a rut like that. And maybe you'd say, look, some of those guys aren't, you know, the, the maybe the the individual leaders that they need to be that, that you know, when everyone else has been tied up, one guy, you know, clicks and does something brilliant for you. But look, at the same time, that first half against Cork and the league campaign in general, they've shown that they are well able to play uh, any kind of a game. But, um, you know, obviously they, they have to be brave now. I think they really have to be brave and stick with their guns and, and persist with, with what's working for them and just keep doing more of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, uh, I think of all of the four Leinster teams we're talking about there, they're probably the ones that have a fair idea of where they're going. The others definitely remain. We'll, 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 we'll get that revealed the weekend. Okay. Uh, the clock is coming against us, as I knew it would. So the All-Ireland final is on July 17th, <laughs> Sunday, July 17th. We will uh, reconvene with you three on the Tuesday uh, in the build-up to that All-Ireland and potentially play play a clip back if one of you says something very <laughs> profound here. So the question is... Uh, no, one here. <laughs> yeah, no, no one here, says Eddie. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, you can get the ball rolling. Who's going to be in that final? Uh, who's going to win? And, and what are we going to be saying about this hurling championship, good, bad or indifferent? Um... Oh, look, I think Limerick and Warford are the two best teams in the country. I think Limerick are still the best team in the country and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that was the other final, uh, Joe. Uh, I really hope it's going to be, a, I mean, I really hope it's going to be a terrific championship. I mean, Jesus, as I said at the start, there are so many teams who are, you know, in the top rank or kind of proper elite teams and um, we didn't always have this, far from it. So I, I'm really looking forward to a brilliant championship. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Jamie, what do you what do you want to be hearing yourself say in three months' time? I think I'm going to be hearing myself say that Waterford and Limerick play the other in the final, and there's just a part of me hopes that you know Waterford are the kind of team that light up the summer just with the way they played all league. Um, like I mean, a lot of people talked about Liam Cal and his decision to stay in Waterford, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about that and about how loyal it was and all those things. But I like to be honest with you. I think there's two reasons Liam Cahill stayed in Waterford and we're going to be watching both of them on Sunday and that's you know Tip are not where they would like to be and I don't think they will be there for a couple of years and Waterford are right there where everyone kind of thinks okay it's now it's now or never you know that that group that won a minor All-Ireland that won an under 21 All-Ireland you know they broke a number of famines for Waterford and they are all now at that 26 27 age you know so i think it's now for Waterford and and uh, i think it's going to be Waterford Limerick on the final and i think it's going to be Waterford um but yeah who knows it could be neither of them and i look like an agent and you'll be playing it back to me like that no we, we wouldn't do that to you honestly so you you, you think Waterford will do it this year yeah i really do and because and the reason i do is just because for the first time probably ever in my life looking at Watford. I've always looked at Watford and these kind of mercurial players like like Milan and Ken McGrath and Paul Flynn will say. But for the first time ever I'm looking at them and it's like like they went without one of those lead mercurial players in Austin Gleason against Cork and or in the league final. And they were outstanding. They're just like, oh yeah, see minutes back in. Like they have, in my opinion, the strongest panel in the country. And that's the way the game is going. They have pace they're organised, they tackle so hard, it's unbelievable, they're on the middle, they're work great. Like, I don't even know who's going to be in their half-back line in that they have Deborka, Fagan, uh, Caleb Lines, and um, who's the other one? And, and Cork Daly. 
they've a midfield, they have Daryl Lyons, Jamie Barron, all these options. Like they have options yeah. all over the pitch, more so than anyone. Yeah. So it's like you I'm just looking at them thinking they are the complete package. If there's any sort of question about Limerick, and I'm not saying that there is, but if there is, I think they're ready now to ask it and maybe get the answer they want. Okay. Eddie, final word? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm on, on current form and, and, and what Liam Cal has done with Watford, I think to, to use the, the Phil Jackson analogy, he has got rid of the me's and he has created a we mentality down there. I think he has them playing for each other. I think it's all about the team performance. And like I said, look, there were some great players in Watford over the years, but the one thing you're saying is to get them to gel together and, and, and get the job done. And I think that's what Watford looked like they're going to do. They're in really good shape. I think the fact that they haven't broken up for a period of time where they, you know, they go away from Liam Callum with Beavens and the setup, I think that's going to be a big plus. I think he will absolutely drive it into him in terms of, okay, let's park up the league, lads. It will all be quickly forgotten if we don't see the job. So for me, they're in as good a position as they'll ever be. I think it's it's definitely down to uh, how hungry they are and all that. Equally then, I think, look, across the treaty boys, I think, is there is there that burning desire still there in them? If a couple of those guys are injured, that could change up the whole thing and it could be massive because the certain players Limerick can't be without. But um, I'm, I'm just, I have a funny feeling there's going to be um, maybe a, a repeat of 1959 and I'm going to go for a Kenny Waterford all final. And I don't think we, we'd be worried about the results in Kenny at the way Waterford are hurting at the moment. Okay. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very interesting. I hope we're playing some of that back uh, the Tuesday before the Sunday. Uh, fellas, thanks so much. Eddie Brennan, Jamie Walsh, Dennis Walsh. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John.